Coming up on this episode, the Warriors get their seventh consecutive road win and their 12th overall in the last 15 games thanks to a 110-99 victory over the New York Knicks at MSG. I'll recap the game, including strong performances from Stephen Curry, Jonathan Kaminga, and Moses Moody as he enters the starting lineup over the last two games. Yes, welcome back to the Golden State with Mates podcast. This will be a little bit of a quicker episode recapping the victory over the Knicks here today. Uh, it's about to go 8 p.m. my time, so by the time I do this, edit it, get it scheduled up, ready to go first thing tomorrow for those of you in America, uh, I'll be about ready to go to bed, really. I've just come off playing a couple of hours of tennis, so I'm pretty knackered, but uh, a good day overall given the Warriors got that 11-point win over the Knicks, a comfortable-ish wire-to-wire victory. Uh, that really started with a 14-0 run to start the game where the Knicks couldn't get anything to go offensively. Steph Curry entering the game on the back of a shooting slump, you'd have to say, in at least three of the last four games. Came out red hot, three threes in the first three minutes. Also randomly had seven rebounds in the first quarter, which tied a career high, I think, for any quarter. Uh, And the Warriors led after one and really didn't look back aside from kind of early fourth quarter where... They had a 15-point lead, and you know what the Warriors do. That that kind of lead is never safe. And so the Knicks, I think, brought it back to four at one stage, and boy, was there some anxiousness, uh, particularly from me, because, I mean, I've seen it too many times. The Warriors, what is it, seven games this season, I think, where they've blown 15-point leads, and they looked like uh, it, it could happen again. But I think the difference in this one was the Knicks just didn't have enough firepower offensively, uh, missing Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, had 27 points, but really struggled, and I'll get into that soon. Uh, but without without Randall, OG Ananobi as well, who's obviously been such an impactful player for them, not only on the offensive end, but on the defensive end as well. Uh, Mitchell Robinson was out, again, not an offensive player, but more a defensive-minded player. The Knicks were missing some guys, some key guys, and the Warriors were able to take advantage. Of course, the Warriors missing Andrew Wiggins as well for a second consecutive game due to personal reasons, uh, but I'll get on to that as well. Uh, Steph led the team 31 points, uh, 8 of 18 uh, from three-point range in the end. Made a couple of big ones late in the fourth quarter when the Knicks were kind of threatening a comeback there. So a really good game from Steph, 11 rebounds, 10 of which came in the first half. He had 17 points, 10 rebounds, double-double at halftime. So a really good performance from Steph. He's apparently going to play tomorrow in Toronto. That surprises me, or it'll actually be by the time you guys listen to it, it'll be today. But that kind of surprises me that he'll play against Toronto tomorrow. I always, over these last kind of few days, or the last few games really, ever since Steve had that quote about admitting that he thinks that Steph looks tired, to which Steph kind of resisted that notion. But I kind of penciled this Toronto game. Obviously, it's in Toronto first and foremost, but then second night of a back-to-back, you add on to that. I, I kind of penciled this game as this might be the rest game. And then once CP3 has looked so good since his return against the Wizards on Tuesday, I thought, yeah, that's probably the game where you can start CP3, maybe bring Leicester back into the rotation or whatever else and rest Steph for that game. But it sounds like he's going to play, which is interesting. I suppose the Warriors, they're, they're not in a position to be able to pick and choose really when Steph can rest. Uh, they need to keep banking wins. It's quite. I was just talking to my mate who I played tennis with before, and I said to him, it's quite amazing. The Warriors have won 12 of their last 15 games, like really, really hot stretch here. 
and not not just a hot stretch, but a sustained stretch of form right now as well. Like fifteen games is a big sample size, and yet they're still ninth in the conference and what half a game ahead of the Lakers for ten in, in tenth. It's just quite amazing that you can go on that kind of run and still not be in the top eight seeds in the conference, uh, which goes to show you how poor they'd been up until that point so far this season. Also goes to show you the strength of the Western Conference. The Warriors are now four games over 500 and are ninth. Like, that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, but they've still got a lot of lo- long way to go here to try and get, I think, first and foremost, a, a top eight seed to ensure they don't have a, uh, a one-off elimination game in the play-in uh, to first get hopefully two opportunities in the play-in. Uh, and if they can get that, then obviously try and push up to a top six seed as well by the end of the, the uh, regular season so they can get a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. Uh, but until that kind of looks like it's going to materialise, it's pretty hard to tell Steph to rest when, you know, not every – it hasn't got to a point where every game's a must-win, but obviously every game is crucially important. And – I went into this game against the Knicks thinking if the Warriors have any hope of being a top six or at least a top eight seed at the end of the regular season, this is the kind of game against a Knicks team who were three and seven in their last 10 games, who were missing Randall, OG, Mitchell Robinson. Like that's a game you just have to win if you want to be the kind of team that the Warriors want to end up being. And fortunately, they were able to, to get the job done. So Steph, as I said, 31 points for him, led the team there, uh, was a game high as well. But I, I thought this game was more about Jonathan Kaminga, if I'm being honest. His two-way impact in this game was absolutely sensational. And we know Steph, he had his breakout game in MSG in 2013 with a 54-point outing. And this wasn't quite that, I don't think, for JK. Like, he, he has 25 in the end, eight rebounds. But I just thought the the impact that he had on both ends of the floor, I thought he was the player of the game for me. I know... The Warriors on social media labelled Steph the player of the game. I just thought JK was was so dominant on both ends. Uh, has, as I said, 25 and 8. Also has two assists, two steals, two block shots. Had that incredible sequence. One of the best sequences of his career, if I'm being... Now, okay, maybe that's a bit short-sighted. He's had plenty of highlight plays. But in terms of him not actually scoring the ball himself... That sequence in the third quarter where Brunson kind of went left, tried to attack him, tried to put up a layup, and he was right there and just smashed it into the f- first row and was just like, just get that shit out of here. And then on the on the inbounds, the Knicks missed the three. He got a really kind of tough rebound in traffic. Steph ran the floor. He threw an outlet pass two-thirds of the way, basically, to Steph, who turned around and knocked down a three. That sequence from the block to the rebound to the assist was absolutely extraordinary, and it was just such a good performance from JK. The kind of game where you look at and think that that kind of game is made for him. I've seen like his scoring has been down a little bit over recent games uh, compared to that sequence where he had you know, double-digit games of twenty plus points. But I do think like he has got like there's going to be better opponents for him and and worse opponents for him. And I think the teams that he's played recently haven't necessarily been great matchups for him because. During this stretch of form, ever since he's developed into you know the Warriors' second best scorer or whatever else, he's really been doing it without a three-point shot. He's taken so he had what twenty-one, I think, uh, against the Wizards on Tuesday. Has another twenty-five here, so he has forty-six points in the last two games on one three-point attempt today, which he missed. And so he's doing this without a three-ball whatsoever. 
And so I think defenses are starting to key in on him as like this guy's just so dominant driving the ball that we are going to send uh, as many bodies and as many big bodies at him as possible. And I just don't think the Knicks had the capability to be able to do that today. If you look at some of the other teams the Warriors have played recently, like if you go back to the Nuggets, like Aaron Gordon is kind of a perfect matchup to try and defend JK. And that's probably something like if the Warriors to meet the Nuggets in the playoffs, I think that's something you'd be worried about. Uh, And then like the Lakers, when you've got AD kind of guarding the paint at center. To be fair, JK's had a couple of good performances against the Lakers in his career. But again, that's not necessarily, I don't think moving forward, that's necessarily a great matchup for him. If you look at the Utah game, where I think he only took six shots in that game, uh, they're, they're huge. Like you've got Collins at the three, Markinen 7 1 at the four, Walker Kessler 7 1 or whatever at the five. Like they are huge. Even the Clippers, if you look at like Kawhi's an elite defender, obviously PG on the wings, an elite defender, and Zubak inside is a reasonable rim protector as well. So there's some teams for JK that are going to be much harder for others. And then you look at today. It's like, I mean, what is Isaiah Hartenstein going to do? Josh Hart is your four, or Precious Achua, whatever, uh, although he didn't play many minutes. Like, there's not much in the way of defensive resistance there for the Knicks, for someone like JK who wants to get to the rim. Now, if OG Ananobi was playing, if Randall was playing, um, but specifically OG, if he was playing, then it's it's easy for Tom Thibodeau to be able to, like, all right, you go lock down that guy. Uh, and it would have been obviously much tougher for JK. Uh, but he had his weight really on the interior again. I think he was 12 of 19 shooting from the floor, got multiple M1 opportunities again. And that's that's the thing, even if you go back two games ago to that game against the Nuggets, where, as I said, you know Aaron Gordon is a, a perfect matchup for him, but he relentlessly got to the rim. Uh, and you know the Nuggets had no, no choice but to foul in that fourth quarter there. And he was really the only... Um, semblance of offense for the Warriors in that fourth quarter. So, uh, again, you look at Washington the other day, we're at 21 points, incredibly efficient again. Like I was talking to a mate who's, who's got a bet on for, for JK to be most improved, which I don't think is going to happen, but he got on him at 51 to 1, and I think he's he did get into single to single figures, but now he's back out to 14 or 17 to 1 or whatever else. Uh, but he, he doesn't necessarily watch the games, but I was saying to him against the Wizards that, you know, JK got 21 and it was a really easy 21. Like, it didn't really feel like he was looking for his own offense at all. It was more so just in um, general play, you know, running the floor, got a host of dunks, and when you've got, you know, your front court of Kyle Kuzma and Marvin Bagley, again, not providing too much at the rim in terms of resistance. So, yeah, I think that's the whole point here is there's going to be some matchups for JK that are better than others. But in saying that, in this period, I suppose, before these last two games where his scoring has been down, I've been really impressed with um, some of the playmaking stuff from him. And to kind of signify that, I was having a look kind of at his whole career. So uh, before before this game against the Knicks, in his last six games, he had three games with at least five assists. And before that, in his entire career, he had, had, he, he had had eight games of five plus assists in his entire career before these last what seven games now where he's had three games of five plus assists uh, and again today he only has two assists but this was more a game where he can go and get his own bucket uh, and look to be aggressive scoring wise so uh, just another fantastic performance from JK and again I thought he was the player of the game uh, I'd do also want to give a shout out, and I think well, this is a, a big thing for the Warriors, and something Steve alluded to as well in the post game. Moses Moody. So if you didn't watch this game and you just looked at the box score, didn't watch any highlights, like, didn't watch any of the game, didn't watch any highlights, whatever. So if you just looked at the box score and saw Moses Moody starting eight points, 
four rebounds, three of nine shooting, you would have thought, meh, like average game. But I thought this was a great game from Moses and his defense on Brunson in that fourth quarter. So Brunson has 27 points, but 11 of 25 shooting. Like that's a good result for, for the Warriors, particularly given like they're struggling a bit offensively, obviously without Randall as that kind of number two option at the moment. So that's a good result for the Warriors. And I thought some of Moses' defense on Brunson in the fourth, some of his defense in general, Overall, particularly in that fourth quarter, was absolutely superb. Again, when the Knicks were trying to make a run and, and make a game of it, he had that block on – I'm not sure what the what the margin was at that point. It might have only been five or something like that, five, six. And he had that play where he blocked Alec Burks, got the rebound, and then JK got an and one on the other end. That was a huge play. And so credit to Moses who has come in here – like you've got to remember, it's it's – it's kind of funny watching him play because you look at him play and you think, oh, that guy is just, you know, he might not necessarily be a starter all the time, but he's a guy that, you know, generally looks and feels like a guy that's in an NBA rotation, right? He doesn't look out of place by any means. But we've got to remember that on Sunday, like less than a week ago, like five days ago, he was out of the rotation against the Denver Nuggets, not in the rotation whatsoever. And, it's amazing how he can go from out of the rotation completely to Wiggs is out now for two straight games for personal reasons, and he's just catapulted to starting small forward. And I think overall it shows that the Warriors are well-built to be able to withstand any real absence, I think, aside from Steph, clearly. And I think we, we saw with Draymond's absence as well. Draymond is so impactful defensively that... Once he goes out of the lineup, the Warriors' defense com- completely capitulates, really. That might be a bit strong, but, I mean, it was. They were 30th in defense for a stage there in Draymond's absence. So aside from those two guys, the Warriors can really withstand. Like even you know, Chris Paul's been out for ages and the Warriors have gone on a run without him. And I think they're pretty well placed now to be able to cover Wiggs' absence for however long it may be. Uh, first and foremost, to Wiggs, hope that everything is fine with him. I'm not going to speculate on whatever the reasoning is or how long his absence is going to be. Uh, at the end of the day, his health and well-being, the health and well-being of his family is the number one priority. And again, here, I don't actually think the Warriors are going to feel his absence too negatively. Now, obviously, they are a better team when Andrew Wiggins is in the team in the lineup and playing in a way that he has over the last few weeks. And that's, I guess, the most disappointing thing about this is Wiggs was really building some momentum into his season, had been so much better over the last few weeks than what he'd been, obviously, earlier in the season, had retaken his place as the starting small forward and had that locked in, really providing a two-way impact uh, and had been fantastic. So that's probably the most disappointing thing from it. Hopefully, it's, you know, there's no update on him playing tomorrow in, like, I don't know where he is right now. Is he, is he in Toronto for tomorrow's game? I don't know. Um, I doubt it. I doubt, I doubt he'll be playing tomorrow. He might be out for a couple more games. I, the wording from Steve, I don't think sounds overly optimistic if you're a Warrior fan. Like, it sounds like, oh, well, we'll we're hoping he comes back. Like, we expect him to come back. Um, but it doesn't sound overly positive. So whatever period I think it is, I think the Warriors are still well-placed to continue their momentum here of 12 wins in the last 15 games, and Moses Moody is a, a huge part of that, and full credit to him. Uh, I think the biggest the biggest thing for Moses today was he played 25 and a half minutes, which 
was his most minutes in a game since December 6. That's, what, nearly three months ago. January, February, yeah, nearly three months ago. And so for Steve to be able to trust him against, again, the box score, eight points, four rebounds, three and nine shooting, doesn't sound great, but you can see the impact that he had, that he had on the game by the fact that Steve, who has been notorious for not wanting to play Moses Moody at all, the fact that he played him for 25 and a half minutes, the most he's played nearly three months, the fact that he was a game high plus 23 in the ball game, plus minus. Like this was a dominant game from the starters. The Warriors starters, all five of them were at least a plus 17 in the game and then a few guys off the bench are in the, the negative plus minus or negative double-digit double negative plus minus. Uh, so this was, a, again, the Stars really dominated, and that was obviously uh, opened up with a, a 14-0 run. Uh, it plays a big part in that. So the, the bench was was less productive, uh, but I think there were still some strong signs. Uh, Clay had a weird game. He had 16 points, which is okay. Four of 10 shooting from three is okay. Uh, missed a few shots as well. And then some of his stuff early in the fourth quarter was not good. And he didn't close this game again, and rightfully so, even though, again, you look at the box score and see 16 points, you might think that's okay. He had a couple of plays early fourth quarter when the Knicks made that run. I think it once, so they were on a 7 0 run at one stage. Clay had the ball. He tried a behind the back pass, and I actually don't know what he was trying to do. He threw it behind the back, back to half court, where the Knicks picked it up and went for a layup on the other end and extended it to a 9 0 run, Warrior timeout. I tweeted at the time, I think that might have been the worst turnover or a lead candidate for the worst turnover from anyone in the NBA that I've seen this season. Now, again, that might be a bit over the top, but in terms of, I mean, I've watched every Warrior game this season. I don't, again, I don't recall a worse turnover. Uh, There's been worse turnovers, I suppose, in terms of the point of the game that it was, like in the last couple of minutes or whatever. But that was still a big one with the Knicks, you know, gaining some momentum there, cutting into the deficit. And then Clay just gives them a free two points. I, I don't really get that at all. And then he had another one where I actually don't remember what he did because I stopped watching the possession. But I saw that Trace had, I don't know if it was Miles McBride or, or some guard on the interior and really close to the basket. And all Clay needed to do was find him. And I think Trace has got enough of a post game. I think he's displayed that he's got enough of a post game, enough finish finishing touch around the basket to if he's got a genuine mismatch and I'm not talking about you know him on a, a wing like a six 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 seven guy I'm talking about like if he's got a six one six two six three guy like give him the damn ball like come on and he just didn't he just didn't Trey stood there didn't get the ball and then Clay oh Clay went into a left hand layup and missed it that's what happened and I was just like man come on you got to recognize that. And I think Clay's done a really good job at times this season and in the last few games of, of recognizing um, what you know what decision to make at what time, when, when to shoot the ball, when to pass the ball, whatever it is. I think, I think his decision-making has been good. But that one, a couple of those today with the, the behind-the-back pass and then not feeding Trace in the post, I thought was, was really disappointing. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I, I want to give CP3 a shout-out. And again, I go back to what I said about Steph before, where I, I would actually rest him t- tomorrow in Toronto. It doesn't sound like they will. But part of the reason why I would rest him is because CP3 has been excellent in these last two games. And I don't know why I continue to be surprised at these elite athletes who have got the best medical staff, physios, doctors, whatever else, surgeons in the world 
I don't know why I continue to be surprised at them being able to come back from these kind of midterm injuries, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 game absences and playing so well straight away. Because I should have learned from Gary Payton II. Like when GP2 came back, what, nine, 10 games ago now, whatever it was, he had played two of the last 35 games or whatever else. And I thought, oh, it'll take him a while to come back and you know, get back into it. And all of a sudden, the first two games, he was like seven of seven from the floor, having a huge defensive impact, playing really, really well, just fit straight in beautifully. I should have learnt from that because <laughs> I thought CP3 coming back, fractured hand, like sounded pretty bad, like really pretty major surgery. Thought, yeah, maybe his ball handling, maybe his shooting might be off a little bit to start with. Was willing to give him some leeway there. No. Nah. Straight into it, fit in beautifully, and it's just not—it's not just the numbers for him. So he has eleven points, four rebounds, six assists, uh, three steals today uh, against the Wizards. He had nine points, four rebounds, six assists, and four steals. Three-point shooting looks perfect at the moment. I, uh, he's made at least four, I think, over these last two games. Willing to take them as well, which has been good to see. But it's not just the the numbers that he's putting up, which are impressive, but just the way that he's been able to come back and fit into the Warriors system because that was the biggest concern for me, the biggest concern for many over his absence where the Warriors really started to surge and, and find their identity was that how is Chris Paul a really you know slower pace, methodical kind of player? How he's, How is he going to be able to fit in to this, this offensive system? And I think he's done a really good job at, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but for me, from an eye test perspective, just watching the game, it doesn't feel like the, the pace or the energy has slowed at any point with CP3 out on the floor. And there's actually been times where I've recognized him either pushing the ball up the floor himself or, you know, pushing or just passing the ball up the floor to try and get the Warrior offense, you know, whether it be a fast break transition opportunity or, or just getting into the offense quicker than what you otherwise might expect with you know, a Chris Paul-led offense. So full credit to him for the way that he has not only played himself, but the way that he's been able to fit into the, the Warrior offense and only add to what, they're, to what they're doing at the moment. And I was, again, I was saying to my mate who I played tennis with today, I, it's, it's weird to say because we've had question marks over CP3 this season. He's 38 years old, nearly 39 years old. Like, he's clearly passed his best, but I don't know about you guys. I feel so, so much more comfortable in these games down the stretch when you're up five to ten points or whatever else. You're trying to hold a lead in the last few minutes, and Chris Paul is on the floor. And that doesn't mean he should be closing every game by any means, but Steve's certainly got some some issues or some question marks to answer there. But there's certainly times, like I think if you're leading by five, ten points, you're you're trying to maintain a lead, trying to hold a lead over the last three, four minutes a game. I love having Chris Paul out there because you know he's just not going to make the fatal mistakes that have cost the Warriors so much this season. Like even today, like the Warriors look look fairly comfortable. And then Josh Hart just picks Steph clean at half court and, and they get a layup on the other end. And some of this stuff, like Steph's been fantastic in the clutch for the majority of this season, but he still does some dumb stuff where he just turns the ball over willy-nilly or you know, Clay turns the ball over randomly. Draymond can even do it. They just hurt themselves and allow the opposition back into the game. As whenever Chris Paul's got the ball, I feel comfortable <laughs> as a fan. Like I feel like something's going to happen here. There's a late play in the last two minutes, I think, 
where Moses missed a wide open three after after CP3 had had the ball for most of the possession. And even then, I, I thought to myself, well, like that's a wide open shot that he's just missed. And that's still much better than, you know, turning the ball over and letting them get out and transition straight away. You know, you want to be able to, in that situation, when you're up five, ten points, in that situation, you want to be able to burn as much clock as you want and still try and find a really good look at the end of the possession. And I think that's what Chris Paul provides the Warriors. And again, I don't think he should be closing every game, but I do feel so much more comfortable with the ball in his hands down the stretch, which sounds funny because, you know, it's Steph Curry and he's probably going to win Clutch Player of the Year this season. But I think there's a a reliability, there's a comfort level to CP3 not just not 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 just in these games that are, are really close, but in the games where you're like you're eight ten points up, you, you really would have to shoot yourself in the foot to lose, and you just know he's not going to make mistakes. Now there might be other points where the Warriors are down five ten points, and CP three might not be the guy that you necessarily want or need in that scenario. But I think in terms of maintaining and holding on to leads, I think he's kind of the perfect guy uh, and brings a comfort level to myself, and I'm sure plenty of of Warrior fans. So uh, I think we'll finish it up there. Uh, another strong performance from the Warriors. Toronto tomorrow, where it sounds like they're not really going to rest anyone at this point, but that might change by the time you listen to this episode again. I, If you asked me at the start of the week, I would have said I'd be shocked if Steph played in Toronto against the Raptors, but it sounds like he is. So it is what it is. Uh, hopefully the Warriors can get another dub, add to their seven consecutive road victories, get a 13th win in the last uh, in the last 16 games. We're on a roll here. Not the, the greatest opposition necessarily like the Wizards, uh, the Wizards who have now lost 13 straight games. Uh, the Knicks are clearly injury-plagued now 3-8 in their last 11 games. So... There's not necessarily too much to, to read into it, but it doesn't matter at this point when the Warriors have just got to bank and stack wins uh, as much as they can. And we kind of knew coming out of the All-Star break that the Warriors had the fifth or sixth easiest schedule, so they were going to play some of these teams where uh, where they, they should be winning. And thankfully, over these last couple, they've, they've got the job done. Uh, not absolutely spectacularly, no 20, 30-point blowout wins, but... Ultimately, they've won both games by 11 points, and that's more than comfortable enough. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel already, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, continue to appreciate all the ongoing support, particularly on YouTube. You can follow me at POC252, that's P-O-K, 252 on X slash Twitter. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Other than that, guys, uh, I'll probably speak next week. I reckon I won't be able to do a podcast after Tomorrow's game will be a little bit busy, uh, but again, hopefully another Warriors win in in Toronto, and otherwise, have a great weekend.